Welcome to the Good News with Angie Austin. Now, with the Good News, here's Angie. Jim Stovall is a speaker, he is a writer, he is a movie maker, and he writes a weekly column called Winner's Wisdom. And today's column, actually we have two, but we're going to start with Watch Your Language. Welcome, Jim Stovall. It is good to be with you, and I will be watching my language today. So you talk about, um, in Watch My Language, or Watch Your Language, mine and yours, uh, about the book The Four Agreements. I love that. So you start with that. So explain, uh, explain what you're teaching us here. Well, Don Miguel Ruiz wrote the four agreements, and they are four things that uh, we can all benefit from. And, it, and it's a book I reread probably as much as any other book. I probably reread it once a year. And other than the, the scriptures and Think and Grow Rich, it's probably the book I read the most. And he talks about the four things we need to do. And among them are you don't take anything personally. Um, you you never blame anyone else, and uh, you always do your best. But and then but the first one is be impeccable with your word. I love that. And, and being impeccable with your word it goes beyond telling the truth. It goes into you know making your communications accurate, uplifting, and significant with everyone. And right now we all know that uh, there's so much of our language that. Uh, gets twisted and abused, and it's it's much different than our parents or grandparents have dealt with because of the, the Internet. If you say something, it's out there forever. It mm-hmm. never, never goes away. Mm-hmm. And so we've got to remember that. Well, unfortunately, with the Internet being what it is and so pervasive, anything we say or write is out there forever, and it's something our kids and we need to deal with that our ancestors never had to deal with before. And, you know, unfortunately, there are words that um, if you or I say them in public or in a recorded format, we will lose our career. I mean, and and that's something, you know, and there are words that are inappropriate at certain times. There are words we probably shouldn't use. But every word has a place in time, or it wouldn't be a word. And, you know, we give, <laughs> we give these things far too much power far too much power. And when I see people trying to uh, stop Mark Twain's books from being in schools, when there's just such a learning opportunity, he was the most progressive, anti-racist of his time and an amazing guy, but he used the vernacular of that day, just like you and I do right now. Right. And a hundred years from now, people will be using or not using words, and they might find something you and I are saying out of touch or inappropriate, but it's a learning opportunity. It's not a, a, a time to ban books. And, uh, it's so, so true. So we need to it's watch so our true. language and make sure it uplifts everybody and accurately communicates. And uh, I had a roommate in college. He was from Maine, and I'm from Oklahoma. And I remember one time we were talking about uh, you know something in springtime. Well, for me, I'm talking March, and he's talking May. We're 60, (laughs) 90 days apart, and we're both telling the truth. It's just that it's a different time and place, and everybody has a perspective, and words are all we have to communicate the thoughts and the feelings that we have. Yeah, and in Maine in uh, March, it's still wicked cold. Oh, absolutely. (laughs) They use that word a lot. All right, so so, um, that's a very good point, and I see that happening a lot now, that we we pluck something from the past, and we read in 
into it as if it was spoken uh, in the present time. And then you you put a label on someone that in that time, you know, uh, Mark Twain wasn't wouldn't have had that label that you would give him today. And we we have we can't destroy the past in order to rectify it. We we have to learn from it, as you put it, as, as we have. You know, we have progressed. So in terms of conversations, this is such an interesting topic because I had dinner with a couple over the weekend. And they're, they have three, between the two of them, three sons. And one of the sons, all, you know, 20s, early 20s, uses really bad language in front of his mother. And um, and and the, and the boyfriend, he he doesn't approve of it. He's like, I I just don't I, I don't think he needs to use that language in front of his mother. That's the one thing that I I really think is inappropriate. And I think uh, with you know young people, um, it, some of the bad language is so pervasive now that they think it can go across you know generations. When really, as you put it, we have to know where it's appropriate to use it. And if your friends speak that way, it's fine. We were on a plane once, and my daughter was really offended by these three boys in their twenties, maybe. 18, they were coming home from college, and they used the F word like it was a punctuation. It was in mm-hmm. every it was in every sentence. So uh, I said, "Hey guys, do you mind?" Because my daughter was really upset by it. She goes, "Mom, I'm really I please talk to them. It's so I, it really is bothering me." And she was little ish, like maybe ten. And so I said, "Hey, you guys mind? I've got three kids back here. Um, could you keep down the you know some of the salty language?" And they said, "Oh my gosh, we're so sorry. You know, we're going home for Christmas, and we should know better. We're gonna have we can't." talk like that at home and this is a good reminder to us that we can't speak I mean they weren't upset with me at all they were so kind and so not just mm-hmm. the nicest boys and I couldn't believe that they used that language when they, then their, their reaction was so kind and um and, and they and they stopped you know and so and it was believe me Jim it was like every sentence when like they ended with it or started with it it was like shocking to me but they stopped they, they were like oh good reminder we can't use this language everywhere yeah, and it's sad we've gotten to a place in, in our world where, uh, you know, racism is so pervasive and such a touchy thing. And I learned so much from the the COVID season when the NBA did not have uh, live audiences in the arena, but they played the game. Because I listened to the ball games on the radio. Well, on the radio, the, the crowd is normally drowns out the players, but all of a sudden there's no, there's no crowd. So I can hear the ball dribbling and the guys yelling at one another. And you would hear the N-word um, five or six times a minute, every minute oh, I during this game. I They're yelling at that. each other. And, and, and to think, okay, that's a word that is so charged outside of that environment that, uh, you know, people have lost their careers because they, they uttered that word 20 years ago. And and I think, wow, we give that way too much power. And when we're focusing on the words, we're not focusing on our feelings and our actions and really improving the things that we really need to work on in this life. I didn't. That's fascinating. I didn't know that you could hear all of that. That's I. I I've got to like go back and see if I can listen to some, some of those games. That's crazy. Well, you as a professional speaker, you make a lot of money. Like what some of us maybe make in a year for a speech. And you talk about you never want your words to get in the way of your message. And um, you talk about you know your advice to uh, aspiring speakers is when in doubt, leave it out. Yes, I've, I've, you know, when I question should I say something or not, I've never regretted it or got in trouble for not saying it. Or as President Harry Truman once said, never miss a good opportunity to just shut up. And I don't want to have an arena full of people that I'm trying to deliver a message to, and 
some people get derailed and can't hear what I'm saying because of one or two words I might have said. So I try to keep it as you know, as accessible to the most people I possibly can. And uh, because I want them to hear my heart, not stumble on my words. Well, I uh, I totally agree with that. And I love all of your advice. I, I want to uh, talk about two columns today, which we're so lucky to do, uh, that we have an extra one today, Winner's Wisdom, by any other name. So explain to me, what is by any other name about? Well, we were talking about listening to sports on the radio, and uh, this time of year I always listen to baseball games, and they're sponsored by a mortgage company. So every half inning I hear this deal, and they say, you know, don't get caught up. Unlock the hard-earned equity you have in your home. And it sounds like a good deal, I mean, the the way they're using those words. Who wouldn't want to unlock your hard-earned equity? Who wants to? But what they're talking about is borrowing the value out of your home. Right. And people, you know, it may be the worst possible thing you can do because people do that and, you know, they go to the mall and they buy a pair of tennis shoes. And all of a sudden, uh, you know, if you pay off tennis shoes uh, as part of a 30-year mortgage, uh, you know, way down the road, you'll realize I've paid over a thousand dollars for a pair of tennis shoes that wore out and I threw away, you know, eight or 10 years ago. It's ridiculous. And, but, you know, so we, we've got to look beyond the words, you know, Shakespeare said a rose by any other name would smell as sweet. Well, uh, this advice smells more like fertilizer than a rose. And we really need to be aware of uh, what we're saying because it uh, it really makes a difference. And uh, they can make these things sound so enticing. So when we're listening to people's words, we need to look at who's saying it, why are they saying it, and what is their motive? You know, I um, I, I have to remember this when I'm reading, um, when I'm voting. I get, <laughs> you know, Chip, I'm an educated woman, but I get very confused sometimes when I read what's written down as to what I'm voting on or about. Mm-hmm. And um, I feel like sometimes the, the words are meant to confuse me. And I'm like, oh, yeah, I agree with that. I agree with that. I agree with that. Then you're like, wait, it, it means the opposite of that. Right. Um, and it's really convoluted. And so uh, that and I also just saw an ad that I'd never seen before um, just yesterday. And it had a very well, Newt Gingrich was in the commercial. Mm-hmm. It was more of like an infomercial. And my husband's like, oh, because some people trust him. They want us to trust, you know, doing this this thing, buying this thing. And it basically was um, it wasn't, you know, taking out a loan on your current home or whatever. Um, it had to do with protecting your home from someone taking over um you know the rights to your home and reselling it out from underneath you which mm-hmm. i thought was really rare but the way that the info it was like terrifying like i'm listening to it as we're hanging pictures in the basement right because their mom always has the tv on and as we're hanging pictures by the end of it they'd almost sold me on it <laughs> right yeah and and that's when you're listening to somebody who is saying it instead of what are they saying? And, you know, those are very, very important things that we've got to keep in our minds is, uh, you know, people are trying to sell us things all day, every day. Uh, the last estimate I heard between, uh, you know, voices, pictures, images, and things on the Internet, we are sold over a thousand things a day. And, and sometimes we're not even aware of it, but it builds up over time. And, you know, somebody will talk about something, you think, oh, yeah, I've heard a lot about that. Well, the only thing you've heard is, you know, it's recommended by the people that are selling it. But uh, other than we all know, um, 
you know, that uh, advertising works and, and repeated advertising. And, you know, the industry has concluded that people buy on the seventh time they get exposed to a message, which is why, uh, you know, people in radio and TV, they, they advertise a lot because um, you don't buy on that first or second thing. So we've really got to be aware of how we filter these things and what we do. And, uh, you know, everything looks good. I, I'm always reminded of the that uh, Olympic competition years ago when in the Russian papers, uh, put a deal in that uh, you know uh, the the uh, you know the Americans came in second in a basketball game and you know they said you know Russians prevail and Americans are next to last. Well, you know what it really meant is we came in second, but uh, <laughs> they're using these different words to try to uh, you know to to put a spin on it and. You know, we have to realize that whether it's coming out of Wall Street, Madison Avenue, or Washington, D.C., everybody's got an agenda. Everybody has an agenda. That's good to remember, too, as you're meeting people and uh, networking, et cetera, and to keep that in the back of your mind. Um, so as we go through the day today, you like to say that in your columns, we should, um, you know, be careful with our words and also forget the ads and remember our future in terms of, you know, um, uh, not unlocking the equity in our home, per se, uh, but continuing to acquire wealth and increase our, um, our, our net worth as we, you know, become hopefully millionaires like you, Jim Stovall. How do we reach you? you Jim Stovall, S-T-O-V-A-L-L, JimStovall.com. Excellent. Thank you, Jim. You're the best. Thank you. is listening to the mighty 670 klt denver when you shop at your local arc your hard-earned money directly supports individuals with disabilities 80 percent of people with intellectual and developmental disabilities are unemployed at arc thrift stores approximately 20 percent of their employees are individuals with intellectual or developmental disabilities arc thrift is one of colorado's most prominent employers for people with disabilities They provide extra support for their employees, allowing them to decide how they live, learn, and work through the ARC Ambassadors program. The program provides a community for employees with disabilities where they create lasting friendships. ARC Thrift Ambassadors attend social events throughout the year. ARC is a company that lives and breathes its mission of going above and beyond to create a space of inclusivity, morale, and culture. Shop at an ARC Thrift store near you. Find your nearest location at arcthrift.com. That's arcthrift.com. Angie Austin here with the good news, along with Rachel Maines. She is a radio host. She is an entrepreneur, and she is also an actress. Hello. <laughs> or host. Hey, Angie. Hi, friend. We've, back on. We've, been, we've been talking a lot about being a single Christian, and you've really uh, taken a dive into the pool in terms of being open on social media about, you know, what your journey has been like as, uh, you know, you've been single for many years and, you know, dating. And uh, uh, again, as we've discussed in the past, I think a lot of people are surprised because you are so intelligent, attractive, fit, you know, that you are still single and you've really been bearing your soul on social media and taking encouragement, you know, other people that are single joining in to discuss, you know, what they're, you know, dealing with. And then um, also maybe even taking a few jabs in the course of this conversation. Yeah, yeah. I think, you know, social media, um, you know, just like yourself, not everybody on social media do I know in person. Um, but having a little bit of 
public profile in terms of my radio show and whatever, um, you know, people tend to comment and they don't necessarily um, know me, really, really know me. But that's kind of the challenge of social media anyways. But I think it's been a great conversation. Um, I have a lot of people uh, thank me in person, on the phone, inbox, um, call me. Wow. And let me know. Yeah, like, hey, thanks for bringing this up. And I've gone through the same thing, and it's not really talked about. And even my Bible study leaders, uh, last time I went to Bible study, they are like, hey, that's great. Thanks for talking about it. It can be challenging for Christian singles. And so, yeah, I'll keep the conversation going. But one thing um, I'm encouraged in, too, is just uh, knowing that um, others are going through the same thing, but also... Um, that, you know, singleness doesn't have to be looked at as, you know, like a curse or whatever, um, and that, oh, my life will start when, and we can do that with a lot of different things, the grass is greener on the other side type of uh, perspective. But um, I think singles, we can really take advantage, say, okay, the Lord has me single now for a reason, so what can I do as a single now to enjoy my life? You know, since I'm single, I can travel more. That's um, true. Oh, yeah, you just took a great trip. <clears throat> yes, I took a great trip, and I have other trips down the line. I'm going to visit a client in Nashville. She's a good friend coming up, and a friend here. We're going to go somewhere in the mountains, somewhere in Colorado. So, yeah, I think it's a great um, time to kind of ask yourself, what hobbies can I pick up? I've talked to a friend about starting golf lessons with her. Oh, how fun. Be people too. Yeah, so um, I'm just looking at other ways to kind of just enjoy my life in my singleness and realize, you know, the Lord has me single for a reason. I had a, um, well, I go to a great church and the pastor gave a great sermon on Sunday and these basically to sum it up, what I got out of it is if you're in Christ, you're given and you surrendered your life to the Lord, you know, you're repentant, you have a repentant heart and you're really seeking him and want to live the Bible life. Um, you know, agree with the Bible and live what it means to be a real Christian in that, um, mode. You're safe to know that you're in God's hands. So if he hasn't brought somebody in your path yet, um, just rest it. It's just not his timing. Or he, maybe he's working on the guy, you know. So, But I want to say something, and to you'd be proud of me. I found this um, matchmaking site where women don't have to pay. It's executives. And I um, did join, and women don't have to pay. So if um, the matchmakers like your profile and think you're a good fit for their clientele, they will be in touch with you. So I thought that was pretty cool. Interesting. Yeah, because there are some high-end, like, matchmakers' experiences where, you know, you can apply, and usually ladies don't have to pay. So. Oh, well that and you've been, um, you know, getting involved for other people who are single in, um, you know, signing up for some of these or looking, researching some of these activities where single mm-hmm. Christians can get together and hike and do things. Uh, you know, I was reading this um, article about, you know, in honor of you biblical tips for Christian singles. And the first one really uh, reiterates what you said about that there's a purpose, you know, in the gospel for both. Well, I'll just read it. Number one, remember both marriage and singleness portray elements of the gospel and that you can find, you know, your purpose within both of those options. Right. That's great. And uh, number three, also um, embrace singleness and discover how to live in the present. Um, learn to find contentment in Jesus. These are all, you know, helpful. And, uh, you know, dive into your identity in Christ. 
Um, you know, a lot of them, I'm sure people tell you when they're not single, um, but you mentioned advantages. And number five on this list is sing- singleness has its advantages for kingdom ministry. And you learned that when you left the country and uh, and worked with orphans um, in South America, that that wouldn't have been anything you could have done had you been married with children. Exactly. Yeah. So I think we should take our, you know, whatever stage of life we're in, we should take advantage of our circumstances. So if you're single, then yes, take advantage of being able to travel, perhaps do what I did and go live in a foreign country and serve there. Um, or, you know, even now I just, I'm going to reach out more to my friends who are abroad where I had um, excuses that I work too much because of my company, but now I'm like, no, I'm just going to, you know, make a three day trip to visit some of my friends around the country. Um, be more open to traveling. I think is a good thing for singles. And then um, just doing fun activities and maybe starting a new hobby. Well, and I think, too, <clears throat> because a lot of your work is remote, one thing that I've done is, okay, so you know you could do a three-day weekend, so like your friends off work on the weekend, and maybe they take Monday off, and you do those things, and then you might be able to work remotely while they work for a few days and kind of extend the trip out. And then, you know, you can still go to dinners after work with your friend or like when you're in Nashville. I mean, there's so much to do there. I'm so envious you're going there. It's just so exciting to listen to all the different bands and they have live music at every restaurant club, even during the day. I mean, it's just such an adventure to go there. It's so fun. So um, I took my my dad and I went and he went to the Grand Ole Opry, which was like a bucket list thing for him. Yeah, he was really excited about that. And then number 10, I want mention that both singleness and marriage are to be used for God's glory. And I think you live that out every day. I'm really proud of you for that. Well, thank you, Angie. Yeah, well, I'm thankful to have friends like you and just to be able to talk about it. And um, I think too, you know, either single or married or whatever situation we are in in life, we can think of the grass is greener on the other side. As humans, we're really good at saying, oh, I I would be happy if. (laughs) But I think we can all take a step back and think, you know what, I'm going to be happy now, even in my circumstances, even if they're not ideal, I'm going to make steps today to to be thankful. Well, I know you are an animal lover like me, so uh, I think you'll want to stick around for this one because I have a feeling that you'll continue to have pets in your life because, you know, uh, Taz has been such a blessing to you, your mom's dog. So um, give us yes. your website. Okay, rachelmains.com. That's Rachel, R-A-C-H-E-L, Mains, M-A-I-N-S.com. All right, we'll stick around. Uh, changing gears here. Getting a new pet is like bringing um, home a new family member. And there are a few key milestones throughout a puppy and kitten's first year, as I would know, having three this year, or well, in the last year and a half. Here to share some helpful tips and advice in this sponsored interview are veterinarian Dr. Callie Harris and TV personality Hannah Brown. Dr. Callie provides uh, educational support for Purina and teaching hospitals throughout the Southeast. And Hannah Brown has appeared on a variety of TV shows like The Bachelorette, Dancing with the Stars. But her newest title is pet parent thanks to her new puppy Wally. Welcome Dr. Callie and Hannah. Hi, thank you. All right, so let's start thank with you. You're welcome. All right, well Callie, Dr. Callie, we'll start with you. Um, I've had three new pets in like the last I'd say two years. So what should we know about the first year of a puppy or kitten's life that maybe I didn't know? Well, you probably already know this, that it's like bringing home a new baby. And this first year of a puppy and kitten's life, it's a busy time, both physically and mentally. But there are also many exciting moments and key growth, behavioral, and nutritional milestones to not just plan and expect, but to also celebrate. So with the right information, nutrition, and care, you're really going to be able to help set that foundation of a healthy future for your puppy and kitten. 
All right, let's talk a little bit um, with you, Hannah, about your puppy, Wally, and uh, I'm sure you've prepared for this first year as well. Yes, so I am a new pet parent uh, to Wally. He's an Australian Labradoodle and eight months old now. I got him in January, and it's been so fun to see him grow and learn. Um, But, yeah, I spoke with veterinarian professionals like Dr. Callie and did quite a bit of research before I brought Wally home because I knew I wanted to decide what I fed him early on. And thankfully, Purina offers several helpful and informative resources to help pet parents like myself make decisions like this. Mm-hmm. Um, Wally eats Purina Pro Plan Puppy, and this is a balanced uh, food with essential nutrients that he needs to continue in this developmental phase that he's in. All right, Dr. Kelly, let's talk about those nutritional milestones and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, what new pet parents should, you know, really be aware of in terms of nutrition. Yeah, so Hannah's already on the right track, but I want the rest of your listeners to be on that same track and understand that most dogs and cats are considered puppies and kittens until they reach 12 months of age. And so providing them with the right nutrition, the appropriate nutrient profile, is going to be key. For example, what Hannah is already feeding Wally, it's Purina Pro Plants puppy food, it has a completely different nutrient profile than adult dog food. Such, you know, so nutrients like pure, uh, pro, uh, excuse me, so nutrients like protein, which is going to help with their growing muscles and minerals like calcium and phosphorus. It's really going to help support bone and teeth development. Also, too, just talking about priming that immune system, antioxidants are going to be really important as well. And so you're going to find this in the right amount in your puppy and kitten formulas. Hmm. Okay, that's good to know. And, uh, and, and do you have a schedule or a routine for your puppy or kitten? I Oh, excuse me. That's for Hannah. Oh, no, that's for you. Sorry, I jumped ahead just because I figured I'd... Oh, yeah, so I love to encourage my pet parents, like Hannah, to establish that feeding schedule early on. It's going to be so important as far as making sure that they get their total daily calorie requirement, as well as help with some behavior and training opportunities, too. All right, sorry about that. Hannah, what has been the, like, the most helpful thing that you've learned with the, you know, your new puppy, Wally? Honestly, learning from experts like Dr. Callie has been so helpful um, just in for those puppy and kitten milestones that um, that are coming along the way, and that's not just nutrition, but also behavioral. Um, socialization has been really important for Wally for when other people come into our home, um, with other animals especially, and even babies, just so he um, is prepared for any circumstance we may find ourselves in, that he's not anxious, but, all, but just really well-trained and um, it's just it's just ready for anything. All right. Speaking of training, uh, Dr. Kelly, any training tips? I, one of my pets, um, I've got um, s'mores, uh, Mr. Fluffy, and Butch, my Pomchi, <laughs> and Butch, the, Butch the Pomchi. He is like such a character. He was trained initially on those pads, you know. And so when I mm-hmm. take, he's he still had a few issues, and he's now um, a, a year and a half, and he still has some issues with training and you know going inside. And we try to follow the rules we think we're supposed to. Um, any boy, he can learn those. To all those tricks he can do for a treat. I mean, he can roll over, he can sit, he can dance, but uh, go outside, he hasn't really nailed yet. So any tips? <laughs> so it can be 
so difficult, and especially with palm trees. They are just so full of personality, right? Yes. But I think what's key when I'm talking about just initial training tips, socialization is going to be at the top of my list. Now, that may not help with going outside to use the bathroom, but it's absolutely going to help Mr. Bush be really comfortable around new people, around new pets, and especially coming to the vet to see me. It's going to help reduce some of that fear or potential anxiety. Also, too, maybe your palm chi would enjoy uh, eating treats like puppy chow's training treats because they can really help reinforce that good behavior. So when he does do a good out out side, go ahead and reward him with that training treat, and maybe that will help influence him to make better decisions the next time. Yeah, it's a good idea. We've been trying to stick with the treat when he does go. So Hannah, where uh, where do we go to uh, get more info? Yeah, Purina offers uh, plenty of resources on their website, so you can just visit purina.com slash healthy dash start um, for all the information new pet parents may need. Excellent. Thank you, Hannah. Thank you, Dr. Callie. Thank you. Thank you so much. Thank you for listening to The Good News with Angie Austin on AM 670 KLTT.